right, as we continue our series through the epistle to the Ephesians, we're in the section of Scripture where we're talking about relationships and husband-wife relationships, parent-children relationships, employer-employee relationships, and we're having fun, aren't we? (laughs) This is now our fifth week in this section, and we've spent two weeks to talk about the wives zero in on the wives. I've been accused of using three weeks, but if you listen close, you'll find it's really only been two weeks. Adrian's shaking her head no, and uh, Brother Sullivan said I had to do more preaching on the wife. He said some nuts are just harder to crack, and uh, if I can cause marriage problems, I will. <laughs> Don't worry, wives, we're not going to keep talking about the wives, but we are going to keep going in this series. All right. Well, a wife is designed by God to be the helpmeet to her husband so that he may become all God has intended, has created him to be. She is to willingly submit herself to her own husband reverently and obediently. The Bible says to do so as unto the Lord. As you would submit to the Lord, so you submit to your own husband. But remember, we focus more on why there is the command to submit. Because if you don't understand why, then you'll never really understand the command. And you'll be less likely to follow that. God commands it because that's how He structured it. He instituted marriage. He gets to call the shots. This is not how we would have designed marriage, especially in the 21st century. But God has structured it so that He is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of the woman. And that's Bible. That's not my opinion. That's what the Word of God says. That's how He structured it. It's not because a wife is inferior or incompetent. We know that women can make their own way in this world. They are able to do that. So it's not a matter of that. It's just God's design. And we have to decide if we're going to trust God's design or not. Do we believe that His blueprint is the best? And we better decide that very early. Amen. Last week, we talked about the hierarchy of marriage. So I'm not really sure it was strictly on the wives, but uh, (laughs) quit looking at me like that. Um, We talked about the hierarchy of marriage. God has designed marriage with the structure of the husband being the head, even as Christ is the head of the church. And remember, if you don't get the as in all of this, you're missing it. It's as unto the Lord, and then it's, it's, it's as Christ is the head of the church. And husbands, we're going to see tonight, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And so we've got to get that part of it. But as you study verses which speak of Christ's headship over the church, based upon this context, then all those verses can apply to the marriage. If Christ is the head of the church, and He says here that a husband is to be the head even as He is the head of the church, then all those verses that talk about Christ being the head are going to apply to the marriage relationship in some way. I think that's a pretty humbling thought. Because husbands, that's a heavy responsibility. 
but there can only be one head, and therefore there can only be one who has the final say. Wives, be subject to your husbands in everything, the Bible says. Now, a husband and wife should talk about everything. Every decision that's made, I believe you ought to communicate on, you ought to come together about, and hopefully come to an agreement on, but when all is said and done, there's one person that has the ultimate say, and that's the husband. That's the way God has set it up. Well, we covered a lot of ground. If you missed any of it over the last four weeks, go online and listen, because you missed a lot, and it's too much to, to recap. But for those in here, you say, well, I'm not married. Listen anyway, because for those of you who are young, there's some things you better get settled now before you get into marriage. I knew there were things that we had to have figured out before we ever entered the idea of marriage. Tonight, we turn our attention to the husbands. Yeah. <laughs> Let's begin by reading verses 22 through 33, as we have throughout this little mini-series. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. By way of introduction and just to provoke a little thought as we start to zero in on the husbands tonight... Husbands, do you communicate with your wife about your marriage? Does she know how you feel about her? We think we show our love because we gave her a really nice kitchen appliance. Oh, shucks, honey, you know I love you. I got you that bread machine. <laughs> do you communicate with your wife? We are notorious for not communicating. We'll probably get into this deeper in a later message. So I don't want to get stuck here. But do you just talk with her? Can you communicate with your wife like Solomon in the Song of Solomon? Now, I'm not sure you need to tell her that her teeth look like they're shorn sheep coming up from the washing. Or that her hair looks like a flock of goats. Have I told you lately that your neck is like the Tower of David? <laughs> and we'll, we'll stop there because it's, anyway. <laughs> but can you express how you feel? Most men have difficulty expressing their feelings in terms a wife wants to hear. And many times she needs to hear. So how about this? 
do you know how she feels about your marriage? Not what do you think she thinks of the marriage, but do you know how she feels about your marriage? Because you may be surprised to learn how she feels and how she wants to express herself to you. There's things that she may want you to hear. And I want you to notice, I'm asking, do you know how she feels? How does she feel about it? What, see, because men, we, we like to, what do you think about it? But what does she feel about it? See, men, we tend to be very logical. Women tend to be very emotional. Isn't that right? I've seen the girly shows on TV. It's all drama. It's all emotion. Men, you know, we watch stuff like forging fire, cutting knives, and shooting stuff, and mudding. Men tend to be very logical. Men, in our logic, we will look at our wife and... I put a roof over your head, there's clothes on your back, there's gas in the tank, there's a car in the driveway, there's food on the table. You know I love you. That's how we express our love, ladies. And you're just going to have to learn to deal with some of that. But, uh, of course I love you. <laughs> oh, mercy, we're going to have fun with this. You know I said I loved you on our wedding day. Of course, our marriage is fine. What more does she really need? Amen? Well, she needs a lot more than you realize. But we'll get into, again, we're just kind of, we're, we're just now getting into the husbands tonight. But that's our logical way of looking things. If I'm taking care of you, it means that I love you. But women are emotional. And they can't always feel secure in our logical approach to a marriage relationship. You may provide all the right things materially, but how does she feel loved in the process? Wives need to be secure in their emotions, not in a full pantry. A lot of women can forgive a lot of shortcomings when it comes to those things, so long as they feel secure, they feel loved. Amen. So husbands, how does your wife feel about your marriage? Have you ever asked your wife if there's anything you could be doing better? Have you ever asked your wife, is there anything that she would want to change about the marriage? Have you ever asked your wife if there was something about you which needed to be changed? There's an old saying that men marry wives hoping they never change and Ladies marry husbands hoping they can change them. There's a lot of truth to that. And not only have you ever communicated about it, but here's probably the key. Does she sense there's enough safety that she can confide in you without being hurt by your response back at her? Because as soon as our masculinity gets attacked, we're going to bow up. And she has to feel safe enough to express herself to you. 
Husbands, if you're going to ask the question, be ready for the response. Can you handle hearing what she might want to say? I've heard testimonies of pastors who marriages were falling apart and they never knew it. And I'm sure it happens to career folks as well. You marry yourself to the ministry. You marry yourself to your career. You think everything's going fine because there's a roof over head. There's clothes on the back. There's food on the table. Things are going well as far as provision goes. And we know that we're called to provide and we're doing that. And we feel good about that. And all the while, there's something missing between the husband and the wife. And one day, 15 to 20 years later, it comes to the surface and you realize you don't know each other. And I'll go ahead and say this while I'm here, even though we're not to the children yet. But the biggest thing that we see, I'm telling you, you've seen it too. As soon as the children grow up and get out of the house, husband and wife look at each other and say, who are you? And they get divorced. Because the kids became the focus and not the husband and the wife. And I'm going to tell you, in the structure of a home, it better be you and your wife and then your kids. Your kids are going to grow up and move on. Some of them is going to rebel. But you better have your wife when all is said and done. Amen. I I shouldn't feel like preaching, but it's starting to hit me. Wives, if your husband asks, be open and honest, but do it in the right spirit. Husbands, be willing to have those conversations. Don't wait until things get out of control. Because it's a powder keg waiting to go off. Make sure you you have the right spirit yourself. But be willing to have those conversations. And as the head of your home, you really should be the one making that happen, making that take place. And, And men, allow yourselves to become vulnerable to your wife's feelings on where your marriage is at. Don't let her hold in years and years of frustration or else you're heading for trouble and that powder keg will eventually explode and you're going to have a mess on your hands. And a marriage is never beyond the realm of needing attention. You never get to the place in your marriage where you no longer should be working at it. You're never going to arrive the at the place where you can't strengthen your marriage further. You may think, well, we've been together for 40 plus years. I think we're doing okay. Well, I want to tell you, even when you get to that point in your marriage, somebody is going to break down mentally or physically, and it's going to take an extra dose of grace to get through that. Because your marriage is going to take on a whole different dynamic after you hit 40, 50, 60 years of marriage. And at that point, it's going to take something different. Since 1990, divorce rates have doubled among those 50 years and older. And for those 65 years and older, it's tripled. And so husbands, we need to understand that longevity does not guarantee success. It's good. And thank God for those who who stick it out. But just because you've been married for X amount of years doesn't mean that everything's going along well in your marriage. Here's the thing. We all want the kind of wife that we've studied over the last few weeks. But you've got to do your part to make that possible. You've got to foster the right kind of environment that produces godly, submissive, helpful wives. Now look at verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. 
As we covered in the past, Christ's headship is his position, but I've waited to cover this particular phrase. You may have noticed I had skipped over that over the weeks, that he is the savior of the body. His position is his headship, but his action is his, uh, his saviorhood, his being a deliverer. And so he's, the, he's at the head, but he's at the head for a reason. He's the savior of the body. There isn't headship without being a savior. It was after Christ gave himself as our sacrifice that God then put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things over the church. And we covered that in Ephesians 1.22. Authority was given after there was deliverance. So by way of application, husbands, the fortification of your headship will be as you are the deliverer to your wife. You may have the headship position by virtue of your birthright, but you will only fortify that position by living up to the calling of the position that God has given you. And you do that by loving your wife. If all you do is take away from what I've covered so far that you're at the head by virtue of your birth and that she owes you, you're going to fail. Because then you become an entitlement jerk. Nobody likes the entitlement mindset. Except for those who are entitled, I guess. You must learn to live up to your position. Your wife will not gladly submit herself to you if you don't possess the character that your headship demands. But your wife will willingly give herself to your headship when there's been action to validate your headship. When she can trust in you as her deliverer. Not as in salvation of a sinner. That belongs to Christ. We know that. But in the sense of a protector. And how do we know Christ is our Savior? I really got to make this point right. But, but how do we know to trust in Christ as our Savior? Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. He died for us because He loved us. Amen. He died for us because He loves us. When somebody dies for you, you know you can trust they loved you. And as husbands, we're to love our wives even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. Now, the problem I see with how this is most often construed is that husbands, so long as you're willing to lay down your life for, for your wife, then you're loving her as Christ loved the church. It's so much more than that. I don't think there's a husband in our church who wouldn't die for his wife. Amen. I, don't, I think I know most of you men and know you well enough. I know you'd lay down your life for your wife. And a man that wouldn't, he's no man at all. But if all women needed was the security of knowing that a man would lay down their life for them to know that they were loved and they could just keep living at home with dad and mom. Amen. Don't you know your dad would die for you? So it's so much more than just be, being willing to die. That's great that you're willing to do that. But that's not the emphasis here. Not to mention, Christ didn't show His love for the church by being willing to die. He showed His love by dying. 
He actually died. But I want you to think about what he was doing in the process. He was doing what we could not do. He was offering himself for our salvation. He was paying our sin debt. But I want you to get this. He was standing in our place. He took our scourging. He took our beating. He took that mockery upon himself. He took what should have been our crown of thorns. He took our crucifixion. He took the wrath of God for us. He took what we deserved. And he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Christ stood between God and man in making reconciliation for mankind. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. And thank God he rose again after that. And here's where I want you to get the emphasis for tonight. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, what identified him As the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a glorified body. There was still something though. Which identified him. To his followers. As being the one. Who died for them. What was it? Jesus said in Luke 24.39. Behold. My hands. And my feet. That it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And then in verse 40, when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and feet. What did Thomas say when he missed the assembling together? This is why you never miss church. Never miss prayer meeting. Thomas decided not to show up and the resurrected Lord showed up. And so Jesus showed up and they said, hey, we've seen Christ. And what does Thomas say? I'm not going to believe it till I see his hands and feet. Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, eight days later, the Bible says the Lord appeared again and said to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand. Thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And as Luke opens the book of Acts, he writes in verse 3, that Jesus showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. And what greater infallible proof do you have than a man who is buried comes out of the tomb and has the prince in his body to prove? That he was Jesus Christ. Jesus was easily identified because he bore the marks of the cross in his body. He had the scars. Which proved he had stood condemned in our place. We heard one of my favorite songs Sunday night during our inspiration. It's still the blood. It says, once I wandered in sin's black night. There was no way I could make my wrongs right. Then the old accuser to the Lord did cry, He is a sinner and now he must die. Then I heard a voice saying, Father, I'll go. I'll pay his sin debt in Calvary's flow. I'll bear in my body the marks of the cross to save this child who is sin sick and lost. And now we have no problem today. Listen now. We have no problem today being subject to to Christ because of the scars which proved He loved us. 
We have no problem being led by Christ because the hands which lead us are nail pierced. How could we not follow the one who made our salvation possible and did and does so much for us? And this is where I want you to get this, husbands. Wives won't have any problem being led by a man who lives the crucified life. And a man that will so identify with Jesus Christ that she can almost see and feel the nail scars in his hands. We have great admiration for the Apostle Paul. He planted churches westward in the Roman Empire. He penned 12 books of our New Testament, probably 13. And he did so much for the Lord. But listen to what he said in Galatians 6.17. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Paul had so identified with Christ that he had become a partaker of Christ's suffering. Now he literally had the marks to prove it. We don't have that right now in this time in history in America. However, we can still manifest that kind of spirit in our walk with Christ. Husbands, are you desirous of a sweet, submissive wife who will willingly follow your leadership, who will see you as the head of the home as God has designed you to be? Then you need to live the crucified life. You've got to live a life that shows you've been to the cross. A wife will follow her Lord because He died for her. She's secure in that Christ loves her. She knows Christ will never leave her nor forsake her. And a wife will follow her husband, her earthly Lord, as Sarah called Abraham. When you bear in your body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then she'll feel secure. Men, are you with me? A wife has no problem submitting herself to a husband who's walking with the Lord. Because a man who's walking with the Lord will not harm her. He will not stop loving her. He will never let her take second place to any other human being on this earth. And she has to know that. That nothing else on this earth, no other human relationship is going to become, come between you and her. Nothing will come between you and your wife. You've got to purpose that. She has to know that. She has to feel secure in that. That nothing's going to take her place. And she has to know that you will not leave her nor forsake her. And that you, husband, will stand in between her and the world for her protection. Have you ever... You ever worked with a woman that she's no different than a man? She, she cusses like a man. You ever been there? It's awkward. This whole idea that women have become liberated, all they have done is lowered themselves to man's standard out there in the world. We act like it's so much better outside of the home. And I'll tell you, when you get outside of the home, it's an ugly world. Amen. But husbands, you're to stand in between her and the wickedness of this world. Jesus Christ took the beating. 
And you ought to be the one taking the beating if you can. Amen. Don't you let another person come up and sash your wife. Amen. I'll lose my testimony over it. I lost my testimony the other night over my daughter. There's just certain things I don't like to see hurt. Amen. That's my wife. That is bone of my bone. That is flesh of my flesh. I left my mother and father that I might cleave to her. And nothing is going to come in between that. I know this. Christ protects me. He stands in the gap for me. He took what I could not take. He made it possible. And I'm telling you, husbands, if we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church, it's not just a matter of being able to look at her and say, Honey, I'll lay down my life for you. Big deal. She'd probably die for you. So what if you're willing to do it? What do you do to show it? If you'll get a hold of this, your wife can become a woman like we find in Proverbs 31.12. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And you'll end up like Proverbs 31.28. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. One thing I've done right through this series is I praise my wife. Little tip there, guys. If you're going to talk about submission, praise her in the process. Amen. So husbands, how's your walk with God tonight? Are you living the crucified life? Do you and your wife ever just sit down and talk about the things of God? I, I try to tell every couple this that will listen. Because men, we are such terrible communicators sometimes. But I've said it. I'm going to keep saying it. The one thing that has helped our marriage probably more than just about anything is get the kids to bed on time and go outside and sit on the porch together. Even if you don't have anything to say, just be together. Without a screen, without the TV, the phone, the tablet, the computer, and just be together. And then, guys, just listen to her talk. You know, most women just want to talk. They don't want us to figure it out. That's what we like to do, right, men? Well, A is B, B is C, and so X is over here. No, I'm not asking you to tell me that, and I'm the, I'm the worst at this. <laughs> Adrian, just give me the facts. I don't need to know what was on the top right shelf at the commissary on aisle five. Just <laughs> what happened. <laughs> so I was standing there, and I was looking at the Dixie Crystals, and once... <laughs> I'll never understand women, but I'll tell you, you, if you'll just set time aside to just listen to all of that. And then what I have to end up doing is go, what, what is it you were getting at? <laughs> um, I'm digging a hole. I can feel it. But men, are you, are you living a crucified life? Are, are you living to please the Lord? Because she has a love relationship with her Christ because of what he did for her. And she wants that security from you on this earth. It's a great mystery. And it sounds like, boy, you sound like you're talking about replacing. No, no, no. Paul said it's a great mystery that pictures Christ in the church. 
And so we need to hear these things. You'll never love your wife as Christ loved the church until you learn to live crucified. But once you do, you'll find that you have a wife who will gladly give herself to your headship.